It is showtime. Tuesday afternoon, Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along as we are heading into the sports pen hour, my favorite hour of the day, and I'm glad to have you along for it. Jake Duran, a local threes in studio with me. It is not Thursday. He's coming here on a short rest. Kind of like your Packers this week. I was about to say, I'm feeling like I, I played a 1 p.m. Sunday game, and now it's it's Thursday night football. It's a quick turnaround, but happy to be here. Well, and the reason Jake is here is because we have a special event coming up on Thursday. It will be our Hockeyville special. We'll be doing the show live from Calumet Coliseum on Thursday. We'll preview the game. We'll talk with some interesting people. It is a hockey edition. We usually have Hockey Friday. It's Hockey Thursday and then probably Hockey Friday again, on the sports pen coming up this week. And it's my hope you join me for that. So Jake has his own responsibilities that day. He's kind enough to give us some time today, and we got a lot to go over today. But I tell you what, first, we revisit our picks from week three of the NFL, because the NFL season is three weeks old, which is hard to believe. But I tell you what, a good week for a few of us. You had a pretty good week. You went three for five. I mean, you know, it's it's above five hundred. I, I I think I fell into the trap of Tennessee in that Browns victory they had. I was thinking too much about that, and I, I think I doubted Gardner Minshew. Yes, I hate you to say did. it. Yes, you were high did. on him last week, and I didn't believe him. Do it. Do I still think he's a really good quarterback? I'm not going to go that far. Oh, he's but, amazing. But he's a, he managed the game. He Just did amazing. what he had to do. I don't think Tennessee is is as good as maybe I thought. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a bad pick for me. Well, I tell you what, you went three of five. I was five of five. Wow! So we are tied atop the leaderboard. We are each ten and five. Three weeks in, I was the only one who went Jacksonville. I went New England, Houston, the Rams, and the Bears. Jake went Tennessee, New England, both LA teams, and the Bears. So then Ryan Steig is eight and seven. Tyree and John Michael Hoefling are seven and eight. So I tell you what. Here's week four. Here's what we got to pick from. And again, our formula, the three primetime games, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, and then the two games Sunday that we air here on ESPN-UP, the 1 o'clock game and the 4 o'clock game. So here's what we're picking this week. Thursday night football, we've got Philadelphia, we've got Green Bay at Lambeau. I shouldn't have to ask, but who are you taking in this one? You know, this one's a tough one for me, but I think I'm going to go Green Bay. I, it is not a tough one it's, for okay, you. It's not a tough one for me, but I, I am kind of weary because it is Thursday night. Thursday night games, you know, obviously the teams don't have a, uh, as long as a time period to get ready for the game. You know, it, it never seems like any of the offenses can really get going. I don't know. It just It's just a weird vibe. It's at Lambeau. I got to, you know, that's a, a huge reason that I'm going Green Bay. Um, Green Bay hasn't lost this year. Their defense is leading the league in takeaways. It seems like the offense is is coming around. I was really really happy that Marquez Valdez Scantling had a, had a pretty good game. I think he had about a hundred yards rushing, one touchdown. Um, you know, outside of Devonte Adams, you're wondering where this offense is. You know, these these passes are going to go to. Who's going to be catching these passes from Aaron? And um, MVS had a really nice game, so I, I was happy to see that against um, against their last opponent in the in the Denver Broncos, who's struggling. Um, Green Bay. They've played really good defenses. Their defense hasn't really played a really good quarterback. Um, Carson Wentz, he's pretty good. You know, he had that one MVP year. He's been injured. Um, almost but, MVP but, year. Yeah, almost MVP year. But this will be obviously the best quarterback that that defense will see. Um, it seems like Alshon Jeffrey is going to play. I just got an update saying he was full uh, participant in practice. So it's not going to be like the Detroit Lions team who went in there and played, you know, uh, Eagles offense that lost – Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. So um, we're going to see. But, you know, in front of the home crowd at Lambeau, the defense playing as well as they've been playing, I think the offense is going to continue. Philly's without a lot of their DBs. Yeah. They don't have anybody in the secondary. So I think 
Um, they'll be able to be successful in the passing game. And, I, you know, I think everything's coming around. The big thing last week was that offensive line. Green Bay, you know, kept Aaron on his feet. Uh, he said he had that soundbite after the game where he's like, I don't even know if my jersey got dirty. I didn't even hit the ground. I feel amazing. This is great. This is different. Um, it's a it's a new new feeling for him, and and you know he's excited. Obviously, I'm sure he wants that offense to come around and be a little bit more efficient and more consistent throughout a game. But um, I just think the Packers they have they have it going right now, and I think that's going to continue Thursday night. The Eagles seem to be looking for their identity. They don't seem to know who they are right now, and I know they're dealing with injury. Carson Wentz is just inconsistent. His upside is there, but he hasn't been consistent since that first season-ending injury. They come in 1-2 and two against a Packer defense that's playing well. You've got some other receivers around Adams that are starting to step up, and like you mentioned, the O-line played incredible on Sunday. There's no reason for me to pick Philadelphia, and there's no reason for me to pick against Green Bay, so that's why I'm saying the Packers are going to be 4-0. No, I agree with you. Let's go to the first Sunday afternoon game. We have got a real barn burner. Two high-powered, high-octane NFC East offenses. The Washington Redskins visit the Meadowlands to take on the New York Giants. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all about the Daniel Jones hype for mm-hmm. the New York Giants. It, it's really unfortunate that Saquon Barkley had to go down. Um, he's going to be out for the foreseeable future with that high ankle sprain. You know, the Giants are at home, and, you know, this is, I think, I think Washington, obviously everyone saw that Monday night game um, last night, and Washington just looks at, looked absolutely terrible. Yeah. Case Keenum didn't have a clue what he was doing. Um, you know, that defense isn't as great as, as once we once thought they would be coming to the season. They've been underwhelming. Um, you know, and obviously we know about New York. Eli Manning was in there for a little while. You know, they, they have their issues. This one's a tough one for me. Because, I mean, if, if Saquon was playing, I would definitely go New York 100%. But now, you know, who's going to be running the ball? Are they, you know, they still haven't gotten their receivers back. So, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm Washington, I'm just I'm sending the house. I'm, I'm pressuring this guy. I'm going to see what he really can handle. So this one's tough. This one's tough, and I'm going to go out on the limb. I'm going to go ahead and say, say Washington okay. gets it done. I think it's going to be close. Daniel Jones has been absolutely un- unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I hope he can keep it up. I'm, I'm rooting for Daniel Jones. He's he's not had the greatest, uh, you know, welcome to the NFL with the fans and, and everyone questioning that pick. But um, I'm going to go out on the limb. I'm going to say Washington. I'm going to say Washington wins a close one. I'm going to disagree. I'll say the Giants because of what they were able to do even after Saquon's injury on Sunday. I know that they probably should have lost the game. A very makeable field goal was missed. But after what I saw last night on Monday Night Football, I can't pick that Washington team. They just don't have a clue. They don't have a clue in the field. They don't have a clue in the front office. They don't know what they are or what they're trying to be right now. They're not going to uh, put Dwayne Haskins into this game. They're still going to wait on him for a couple of more weeks. I don't think he'll play next week because they're playing New England. You're not going to feed him to the Wolves. But maybe Miami a couple weeks afterwards. But they did say today that Case Keenum will still be their quarterback going forward. The Giants are starting to figure out an identity. What kind of defense is Washington going to go with? here? Because, again, you mentioned that they could send the house. And that's the thing with Eli Manning. Teams could do that against him because he lost his mobility. Jones has got a little bit of it, so you weren't seeing that from Tampa Bay. And granted, their defense isn't great, but then they can't play man either. You saw that last play uh, where the Giants were on offense, their last offensive play, which Jones scored the game when he touched down on. They played man and doubled Ingram, which left nobody on the quarterback. He saw all that field and he took advantage of it. 
I think Washington's going to have a lot of defensive trouble. This could be a bad matchup defensively for Washington. So it makes me think New York is going to win it, though it may not be a good football game. And I will say this. Washington did look bad against Chicago, but that Bears defense could, is one of the top they defenses in like the that. league. I mean, the Bears did cause they, – they forced six turnovers. That's a lot of turnovers. And I hate to say it, but prior to Case Keenum trying to reach for that one yard, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> It seemed like the Redskins had momentum, and you were kind of, you know, kind of like, "What's going on here?" Because mm-hmm. they had cut the lead to just two scores, mm-hmm. and they were driving down. Obviously, that play when they fumbled it, and the, the Bears got another turnover, really killed that momentum. But I mean, when you lose six turnovers and you're still almost in the game later on in that game, you know, you got to feel decent. Like I said, they looked really bad, but that Bears defense will make anybody look bad. They would make the Giants look pretty bad too. So, um, I obviously Case Keenum is Case Keenum, but you know he can manage a game. Um, that rookie to have Terry Terry McLaren mm-hmm. from Ohio State looks like he's the truth. He's pretty good. Um, and and like I said, just losing Saquon that really hinders that offense a little bit, and and they're still without a lot of their weapons. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be it'll be a, a slow scoring game, a close game, but. That's why i got to go with Washington. Let's go to the Sunday afternoon game. You've got the Jacksonville Jaguars and the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now visiting Joe Flacco and the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Um, I'm sticking with Minshew Mania, man, by the way. I, I, I was giving you some, some stuff for, <laughs> for that Minshew. You know, I didn't believe in Gardner Minshew. And I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, he's going to be – he's the next – coming of joe montana like some people want to say and things yeah he's a fun guy he he's a, has a great personality big personality you got the stash you're wearing the, the united states headbands you're working out in nothing but your you know you know what in the locker room and and you know he's a he's an upbeat guy bringing a lot of energy to that offense um and he and he's played well i gotta give it to him um the broncos they haven't won a game you know they're they're feeling down on themselves uh, Emmanuel Sanders is in the locker room saying, you know, this is really bad. Like, we're living in a world of suck right now. Like, nothing's going right, but we're just going to keep on fighting. It's in Denver. Uh, this one's tough, man. I'm going to have to go Denver in this one. I'm really? Gonna, I'm going to take the Broncos, yeah. Why? Why is that? You know, they obviously Green Bay did beat them, but they the the Broncos showed that they can run the ball. Phillip Lindsay had a really nice mm-hmm. game and things like that. Their defense wasn't wasn't great. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb didn't do anything against Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers was upright most of the game. I don't see that continuing. I think at some point they're going to get home, and that uh, you know those guys on the edge for the Broncos are going to really cause some issues. They're going to try to rattle Minshew. Um, I don't know, man. At some point they got to turn it around. They got to play a better game, and and I just think maybe at home this week is when they do it, and Joe Flacco does just enough to get that team over the hump. All right. How about the Sunday night football game? Here the last two are actually kind of tough for me to pick. One, because it'll be a good game. Two, we'll see. Uh, But the Sunday night game, you have Dallas at New Orleans. Oh, boy, this is a toughie. This is a tough one for me. If Drew Brees was playing, it'd make the decision easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, man, I tell you what, I live by the hot hand motto. I believe that you got to go with the hot hand. And for me... Teddy Bridgewaters is just a little bit hotter than Dak Prescott right now. Are you now. sure? So, well, while they're at home, I'm going to go with New Orleans because last week I was all in on Russell Wilson beating a breezeless Saints team. And I think Drew Brees, uh, excuse me, I think Russell Wilson's better than Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. So, based on that logic, plus they're at home this week, I'm going to stick with the hot hand, man. I'm going to go with Teddy. That's a bold pick. That's mm-hmm. a bold pick right there. Um, Got to risk it Dak to get Prescott, Some are saying he's second in the running right now for the MVP race. He has a better total QB, QBR than Pat Mahomes right now by .3 points. 
that team has looked really good. Then I start thinking about who the Cowboys have played. Yep. The Giants, they're they're trash. The Redskins, we saw who the Redskins were. They're trash. And Miami, they look like they were in the game for that first half. You and I were watching the game on Sunday. We're like, wait, what, what's actually really going on here? So what's happening? Um, so who knows? I'm not a believer uh, 100%. I, I think the Cowboys have a really good team in the NFC. Anything can happen. If they went on and made a Super Bowl run, it would not surprise me. They have stars at all the positions, and Dak has done what he – he hasn't done what he's been doing in the past, and that's turn the ball over and not make smart decisions. And, and he seems like he's a more accurate quarterback, so he's been playing really well. Um, it's hard to go against the Cowboy team that's been rolling like that, but like I said, their opponents, the strength of their opponents haven't been great. And, you know, anytime you play at New Orleans, that stadium's always rocking. Um, you know, they're very opportunistic. The Saints are going to have to play through Alvin Kamara. You know, he has to be like that guy who kind of, you know, moves that offense up and down the field. Man, this one's tough for me. I'm gonna go New Orleans. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with the Saints. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Teddy Bridgewater and that crew. All right. So we both have New Orleans winning the Sunday night game at home against Dallas. Monday night football. We've got 0-3 Cincinnati coming into 0-3 Pittsburgh. Boy. Oh. How about this one? You have Andy Dalton, who hasn't looked too bad through the first three games of the year with a new head coach and Zach Taylor, against a Pittsburgh team that. Has a few weapons around their young quarterback filling in for Roethlisberger, whose surgery was successful yesterday, by the way, if you were wondering. You know what? Again, you got to risk it to get the biscuit. I'm going to pick Cincy in this one. Yeah. I'm going to go with Cincy. I was kind of leaning to Cincy, too, yeah. just because obviously you got Andy Dalton. He's a vet. He's been through the ringer. Like you said, he hasn't been playing terrible. Um, I just don't. This, this Pittsburgh squad just doesn't seem to have the juice that they've been known to have. Um, and they've just been losing losing games. I'm gonna have to go Cincinnati too. I, mean, I feel like this is gonna be a make or break week for me. I gotta, you know, that Washington <laughs> pick's gonna be huge. I could very well fall to the bottom of the the picks after this week, or I might separate myself a little right. bit. I'm gonna go Cincy. All right. So Jake this week is picking Green Bay, Washington, Denver, New Orleans, Cincinnati. I'm going Green Bay, the Giants, Jacksonville, New Orleans, and Cincinnati. We are both tied atop the standings at ten and five. I tell you what, we're coming up on our first time out. we got a lot to get to over the course of next hour. We'll recap week three. We've got a really interesting situation going on in Houston. And uh, how about Lawrence, Kansas, too? we got some thoughts on that. All that more coming up throughout the course of the hour on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along this Tuesday afternoon. Three weeks of the NFL season are in the books. And we got a handful of undefeated teams, which include both the Packers and the Lions. I tell you what, Jake, I'm going to read off the list of unbeaten teams in the NFL. Which of the following do you trust the least? Which of them do you believe in less? You have Buffalo, Dallas, Green Bay, Kansas City, LA is in the Rams, New England, San Francisco all at 3-0, and and then the Lions at 2-0-1. There are a few teams on that list I don't fully trust, but any that stick out to you? You know, that very last team that's 2-0-1 because of that, that last 0-0-1 with the Arizona Cardinals, um, you know, even if you listen to local Detroit talk radio, they don't even seem very confident in in their team. A lot of the, a lot of those guys, and a lot of Lions fans are saying this upcoming game against Kansas City will really gauge 
um, where the Lions are at because many people thought they were going to come into this game this this week 0-2-1, but now they're 2-0-1. And you can go and say, okay, well, they played the L.A. Chargers who they weren't with. They didn't have Melvin Gordon. I'm pretty sure their starting left tackle was out. Um, they had some injuries on defense. Um, but the Lions did what they had to do. you got to yep. give them credit for the win. Then they went into Philly. Philly, they didn't have Deshaun Jackson. They didn't have Alshon Jeffrey. Obviously, their secondary is banged up. Um, so they weren't, weren't at full speed, but you got to give them credit for going in and mm-hmm. winning the game. You know, that's the main objective is is to get W. So, you know, they've done what they had to do, but they haven't really faced a team that's been at full strength. Um, and like I said, if the Lions go into this game against Kansas City and just play with Kansas City, um, then I think the narrative starts to change a little bit. But if you got your own fans not even really 100% confident, uh, Lions fans might say they're confident, but I don't think they're really that mm-hmm. confident. And I think it stems from that Arizona meltdown. Um, the, the only team that was actually at full strength when the Lions played them, and they had the, art, the worst tie you can have other than losing the game, and that's letting them come back from that deficit and, and letting a, a rookie in his first NFL regular season game um, kind of shred your defense. I don't think their defensive line has looked great. Their secondary obviously needs some work, um, and they haven't been able to run the ball. So um, they still have a lot to work on. So I think probably Detroit would be there. And then obviously I think it's the Niners and the Buffalo Bills. Those two other teams Mm -hmm. um, are kind of in question just because – I don't know. I just don't know a lot about this Niners team. Is Jimmy mm-hmm. Jimmy the guy? Um, their opponent's strength of uh, you know obviously their strength of schedule and who they played, and then you know who can really trust Buffalo? Even though their defense <laughs> is really good. Well, they haven't played uh, really an accurate litmus test. However, they haven't gone through the gauntlet. We should say because they've played the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals. Although. I don't trust San Francisco. Once they start playing divisional rivals like the Rams, like the Seahawks, they will come back down to earth. It is impressive, though, how they played this well while George Kittle has played so subpar. Jimmy Garoppolo seems like he's starting to get things figured out. That's why I'm going to say the Bills are the team that I trust the least. I think they're going to go to New England this weekend and get absolutely rocked. I still don't believe in Kyle, uh, Josh Allen. Kyle Allen's a different story. Kyle <laughs> Allen makes me think. Oh come on! Wow, Josh Allen's pretty. Uh, you got to start. You got people got to start giving Josh or Josh Allen a little bit of pride. I don't know. Dude can run the. He's a multi-threat. He can. He has a big, big arm. Um, he's doing what he has to do, man. But I will say this: the the Niners, they've been impressive. They don't really have like any other than like George Kill at tight end. They don't have a lot of big name guys. Hey, don't you res- know? Don't disrespect Kyle Uzcheck. That's exactly. I mean, he's he's, <laughs> Matt he's <Brita>. good. Matt <laughs> Breida, he's a good running back. They're all they have solid players at all the skill positions and things like that. Don't get me wrong, but their wide receiving core is not very intimidating by mm-hmm. any means. Um, like I said, you know, Breed has been a really good back for them, and they kind of have a, a, a running back by committee approach. Um, like I said, Garoppolo, he was kind of sketchy coming into the season. Looks like he's gaining some of his confidence. Um, that old line, they've had some picks, um, some draft picks chosen on that old line um, recently, and they seem to be t- coming around. And, and that defense, they spent a lot of money on the defense. So, um, you know, they they got a good, solid roster. Mm-hmm. They just got to let's just see. What like you said, that division's really tough. Um, it's it's NFC North is a really tough division. They're kind of similar. They have from top to bottom a really really tough division. I tell you what, Josh Allen is going to get rocked this weekend. Anyone who goes against <laughs> New England is going to get rocked. Well, the thing is, New England's defense might be the best that Tom Brady's ever worked with, which is beyond scary. Because if you ask the average football fan, someone who doesn't follow the Patriots, to name three players on the Patriots defense, do you think they could do it? No. 
They have a lot of faceless guys that are really good football players. I know like Kyle Van Noy, Patrick Chung. Is there still a McCourty there? I think there's one. Okay, so there, there's there's three. I don't know that I could go beyond that. I mean, not at the Stephon top of my Gilmore. head. Okay, all right. Yeah, I should have known Stephon Is Hightower, Hightower still on the team? I don't know. That's, that's, they've got a lot of faceless guys, though. Yeah. And even the guys that you know, like those guys I named off, they don't stick out. I mean, they're not the pinnacle. They're not the cream of the crop at their position. They're all above average. They're all maybe in the upper echelon. But they're not one of those guys that are household names like a Jalen Ramsey, guys like that. Yet this might be New England's best defense ever, which means it is up to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to save us from another Brady Super Bowl. I think everyone's kind of in agreement unless a disaster happens for either the Patriots or the Chiefs, you know, injury or something like that to a a key player like Brady or Mahomes. Mm -hmm. We are kind of just waiting for the Chiefs and the Patriots. I think they're just both trying to play for that home field advantage. Um, and I honestly don't think Mahomes will be able to get it done if he has to go to New England. That's just my take. No, nobody's going to go you to know, Foxborough and win. Yeah, and and it's going to be tough for Tom Brady, as, as good as that team is, to go into Arrowhead and, and go against that Chiefs team, even though they've showed they could do it. Um, but we're dealing with a different Chiefs team, a different type of quarterback in Mahomes who has more confidence coming into this year and is playing crazy. But yeah, I mean, they're still all the, both teams, both the Chiefs and Patriots, still trying to win. Every game matters because they want that obviously that home field advantage in the playoffs. That's going to be huge um, because really it's going to boil down to those two teams in my eyes for the AFC. Well, I tell you what, this came out yesterday from the Athletic in Kansas City, uh, the Athletics affiliate in Kansas City, that Patrick Mahomes has thrown 36 percent of Troy Aikman's career touchdown passes while playing 8% of the games that Troy Aikman has. And Troy Aikman took offense to it on Twitter, and he clapped back at the Athletic Kansas City and said, in case you missed it, talk to me when he has 33% of my Super Bowl titles. So you got a little bit of beef going on here with Aikman and Mahomes, and I'm not going to say it's beef because I, I think those two have nothing but respect for each other. But at the same point, it's entertaining. It's content. It's stuff for us gas bags to talk about. <laughs> I tell you what, there's a lot of people who would pick Mahomes over Aikman, both for his record on the field and for who he is off the field. I'm one of those people. I love Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahola Famer, greatest quarterback to ever live. It's, it's so hard to compare the two. They they played in different you know, different times. The game was a little bit different. This this game in the present is a little bit more offensive tailor tailored to the offenses. Uh, I don't think Aikman had all these like super speedy guys around them when he was playing. Um, I just want to say pump the brakes on Pat Mahomes a little bit. He's great. Oh, I'm pumping the gas. No, 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 no. No, he's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm taking nothing away from him. MVP, doing things we have never seen before. High octane, can make all the throws. You know, he's out there just messing with people, making no-look throws. But the guy's only played 20 NFL games. He has yet to show he can do it in the playoffs. He has yet to show he can get over Tom, the Tom Brady. No one has been able to do that, but until he does that, you know, let's pump the brakes on this guy. We can't no. be. Troy Aikman has won X amount of Super Bowls, six time Pro Bowler, 12 years in the league, cemented Hall of Famer. So let's stop comparing these two. You know, Pat Mahomes played 20 games, guys. He's, he's looked amazing in those 20 games, but, but come on. Let's not do that right now. Let's not do that. Maybe when Pat Mahomes gets a Super Bowl, et cetera, then we can start thinking about it. You know, obviously he's he's on pace to break all these records and things like that. I get it. 
But come on, man. Let's let's just pump the brakes. Let's just let's just chill. Let, let Pat Mahomes be Pat Mahomes, and then later on in his career, when he's you know breaking these records, then we start talking about it with with the greats. But come on. If you ever, I, I will say this: I do like Pat Mahomes better than Troy Aikman. I'm not a huge fan of Troy Aikman. If you ever wonder about the show's credibility, I've called two different quarterbacks in the first half hour of the show the greatest quarterback to ever live, <laughs> and one of them is Gardner Minshew. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. There it goes. Well, you you never know what happens. What happens if Gardner Minshew just develops? and is an amazing quarterback. You never know, but it's too small of a sample size. You can say that with Pat Mahomes, and you can say it with Gardner Minshew. Two different situations, obviously, but I got to see it. I got to see it consistently. I got to see it consistently. Pat Mahomes has a really good supporting cast. He has one of the most innovative coaches in NFL history on his side. I, I would say you could throw a couple of quarterbacks in that in that Kansas City offense, and you can get similar results. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know, man. I mean, he's had good quarterbacks before. Andy Reid has, and he's developed quarterbacks. Like Kevin Cobb had a career year under him, but no one's Pat Mahomes. Like, there's so much natural talent there. I'm impressed. There's I don't think you compare talent. a lot of those guys, but... Pat Mahomes, to me, is the most impressive of any of those guys. And again, I don't like to go off the It's eye similar cast. to the Brady-Belichick thing. What if it's Mahomes and, and, and Reed? Those two just click, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Pat Mahomes is in the perfect offense for his skill set. And like I said, man, he has an all-pro tight end. He has guys who are running, you know, 4-2-40s all over the field. But um, so does Brady. You know, he yeah. Gronk for all those years. Yeah, exactly, and, and yeah, and he was winning. It's true. But I'm not taking, like I said, I'm not taking anything again away from Pat Mahomes. I'm just saying, it just seems it's a little early. You get dudes only played, you know, a little over a full season of football. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. That's I, what I'm saying. I respect your argument, and I respect it because you defended Troy Aikman well, and you did it without bringing up Super Bowl rings because everybody wants Super Bowl rings to be the end all be all. I personally believe Eli Manning's got the numbers to be a Hall of Famer, but he's going to be because of his Super Bowl rings, not because of his numbers. I think that's true with a lot of quarterbacks, because Dan Marino doesn't have any Super Bowl rings. He's not going to be remembered as, you know, he's not going to have a case even for the greatest quarterback of of all time, even though his on-field performance says that he very well could be. So I like that about that. You didn't resort to rings because rings do matter. I mean, you go to Belichick and Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid is sixth all time and wins. But if he never gets a Super Bowl ring, then how are we going to remember him? Exactly. So I do respect that about you. Good work, Jake. Yeah, thank. I mean, that's why I'm here. You know, that's why you keep. I always wonder why you keep inviting me back. That's maybe, why maybe you get that's the big the bucks. Yep. I tell you what, we're coming up on our second time out. When we come back, big news out of Lawrence, Kansas, yesterday. What exactly do we make of it? What exactly is the outcome of this? What is going to happen? We'll tell you next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you Thursday. Oh, man, it's Tuesday, isn't it? I'm used to being here Thursdays. Oh, man, you just ruined my day. I thought it was Thursday, too. That's a trip to the penalty box for Uh me. All right, I'll take my penalty box trip here after the Sports Center update. <laughs> the St. Louis Blues and the Carolina Hurricanes swapped defensemen in a massive NHL trade today. Carolina received Joel Edmondson while St. Louis got back Justin Falk. I wonder if he's going to be there for Hockeyville here on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have been fined $50,000 after GM John Horst spoke publicly about the team's plans to offer Giannis Antetokounmpo a Supermax contract next summer. 
NBA tampering so stupid. It was. It's worth. It's worth the fine. Worth the fine to make sure Giannis knows. Why can he just say tell Giannis that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And finally, the Rugby World Cup begins today in Tokyo, and athletes from New Zealand and the Samoan national teams have announced that they are planning to cover up their tattoos with skin suits to avoid triggering cultural sensitivities in Japan, where tattoos are often associated with the yakuza, the country's largest crime syndicate. Mm. About that. that, that's a story. Yeah, that is your Sports Center update. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant, with you. It is Tuesday afternoon, and again, Jake's here because Thursday we both have other obligations. We will both be up in Calumet. I'll be at the Calumet Coliseum doing the Sports Pen Friday at four o'clock on Thursday afternoon, <laughs> and that can be heard right here on ESPN UP per usual. But it's going to be a special. It's going to be a really special day, and we hope to have you for it. Well, I tell you what, yesterday Kansas was hit with several NCA allegations. Allegations that include loss of control, lack of control of the program against head coach Bill Self. Now before we get too much into the details about what happened in Lawrence, I want to talk about the NCA's track record regarding major scandals in college basketball. First of all, were you surprised by this? Did it seem like it was going to be big news? I mean, a major college and a really good basketball program gets caught because they've done something stupid. I mean, in other news, water is wet. You yeah. know, you, you just know about stuff like this. But now you wonder, does it mean anything? Like, what is actually going to come of this? Is anything going to actually change? Honestly, when, this, when the news broke and I first heard it, I didn't even think twice about it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh. That makes sense. You know, it is Kansas. They're one of the biggest, you know, college basketball programs in the country. They're they're all, you know, in competition trying to get recruits there. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, we all know there's stuff going on behind the scenes. It's not squeaky clean nope. like they want. They, they, they're trying to pretend it's going to be. Um, we continuously see coaches getting in trouble, knowingly breaking violations to try to get an edge in recruiting. Therefore, they can bring these guys in so that can you know raise their program a little bit. This is it's not surprising from what I'm reading. It's not going to really affect their year at all this year because the process of due diligence, trying to get you know all the information together. Kansas seems like they're denying it all. That's going to take time. Then they got to go through the course. Blah blah blah. It's not going to affect their season. They got a really good team this year, and things like that. So um, I don't. I'm not really sure. I don't know if anything really is going to come of it. People are trying to say that Bill Self is probably going to be done coaching and things like this. He won't be. Um, I don't think he will be. Even though he he stated he didn't want to coach um, very much longer. He said if he could make it to his late 50s, I think he would be he would be happy. And mm-hmm. he's I think 57. Um, and I think his contract's up when he's 59. So who knows? Maybe he was planning on getting out anyway. So. Maybe it accelerates his exit there at Kansas, but I don't. I don't know. But like you said, I mean, the track record shows. I just don't think anything's really going to come of it. It, it, it I, you know, that's just that's just what I'm what I'm getting. Let's think about it. And if you missed this story in a simplified version, basically through Kansas being an Adidas school, Adidas in cooperation with Bill Self laundered money to potential recruits basically paying them to come play for him at Kansas University. These are all allegations by the way, guilty or innocent till proven guilty, I guess. Uh so that's what, you know, the gist of the story is. But you think about any major violation, any major scandal at college basketball, any of these top-tier programs have anything really come of any of them? Like you saw North Carolina a few years ago, they got barely a slap on the wrist. We all know what happened down in Arizona, and Sean Miller still has his job. Six months ago with Wade, uh, Will Wade at LSU, 
They weren't going to fire him because of what happened or the allegations, the scandal. They fired him because of public opinion. They fired him because the PR and the relations got too bad that they eventually decided that he wasn't a good enough coach to have around. Really the only major program that has actually been sanctioned hard, that the NCAA has come down hard on in recent memory, is Louisville. And we all know what happened with Rick Pitino, albeit, you know, prostitution cases are treated differently than paying players. And so I can understand why that happened. But going back, maybe even as far as the Fab Five, I can't think of a of a big-time program being brought down by major scandal. In fact, I think of schools like uh, Notre Dame, Missouri, schools that knew there was a scandal going on campus, and they complied with the NCAA. They didn't have to bring in the FBI like they did with Kansas or Arizona or North Carolina. But you saw Notre Dame just had to vacate two seasons' worth of football wins. Missouri is under bull ban this year. And they complied with the NCAA. They worked hand-in-hand to get the the sanctions, the scandal worked out, and they got punished harder than any of these schools they had to bring the FBI in for. Now, for Kansas, what they're going to do here, their only option is to go to court, which they're going to do. And like you said, it's not going to affect this season because they're going to drag out the process and eventually see if they can make the NCAA just not worry about it, make it not worth the effort. But in the long term, I don't think anything is going to come of this. I don't believe that the NCAA is going to have the backbone to take down one of the biggest programs in college basketball. And partly is because when Kansas takes them to trial, they're going to put the NCAA's credibility on trial. And it's not good. The public image of the NCAA is not a good one. Mm-mm. No, I mean, you ask anybody, you know, they don't like the NCAA. They haven't been consistent. Um, you know, it's just, it to me, like... I feel like what's going to happen is, like you said, they're going to drag this whole process out, and they're not going to, you know, obviously the school, its university itself, does not want to get rid of Bill Self. They mm-hmm. don't want to do anything. But you're talking about you're vacating biggest thing that might happen. Okay, you vacate this amount of wins. You, you vacate these wins from the season. Is that worth taking the risk to try to get some of these recruits in to, who bring ticket sales, who keep you in the national spotlight, um, and, and the, the chances of getting caught? Is that worth possibly vacating a few wins here and there. I, th- I mean, for most schools, for most coaches, they're mm-hmm. sitting there thinking, you know... For Kansas, yes. I think, and, I think that that'll, that's worth it. And I do want to throw in that maybe the other max possibility that could happen here is a one-season NCAA tournament ban. But again, is that worth it? To a lot of coaches, it would be. It, it, it would be worth it because, I, I hate to say it, but Kansas is, is one of those staple schools, those mm-hmm. blue, blue chip, blue blood schools. And no matter what, you're going to get guys who want to go and play play at at a school like Kansas with the history they've had um, in in just the, the sport of basketball. Like that's that's one of the schools that made made the sport. You know what I'm saying? So um, for me, I I mean I don't know if they're really sweating it to be honest with no, you. No, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be either. It, it's it's. It's not a non-story to me. I mean, obviously they're doing wrong, and there's rules you got to follow. You got to follow the rules and things like that. But like you said, the NCAA just hasn't really been consistent in what they're trying to do. Um, minus Rick Pitino, mm-hmm. that's an exception. I think Kevin Ollie at UConn was another, yeah, okay. another situation they brought up where you know he was trying to influence recruits, bringing in like Ray Allen to talk to FaceTime and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, UConn kind of just got rid of them, him, because they were terrible. Yeah, UConn took the NCA side in that situation. I think they, they took it as like, 
thank goodness we can get this guy out this here. This is an excuse to get rid of Kevin Holly. But, but uh, Kansas is saying, no, no, we're not getting rid of Kansas Bill Self. Kansas wants to keep him. Yeah, we want to keep him. So they're going to do everything. They're going to be in his corner. They're going to be fighting for him. And um, like you said, it's it's like anything. You try to bring him through the court system to for them to just kind of give up and just say, this isn't worth it. And that's what it's just going to get dr- drug out and things like that. And I don't see a lot coming from this. I almost don't think that the NCAA wants to do this to Kansas either. Like, they don't want to do something like issue a postseason ban. Maybe they'll make them vote, uh, vacate wins. I do think they want to get rid of Bill Self. I do think that the NCAA would like to see Bill Self out of college basketball and get somebody else in there. But when it all comes down to it, the money that they would stand to lose by sanctioning the University of Kansas would just not be worth it to the NCAA. Now, would it be morally justified? Absolutely not. But would it be worth it compared to the money that the NCAA would stand to lose? I don't think it is to the point where I don't think that Kansas is going to see any kind of postseason ban, maybe some wins vacated. And if possible, if they can pressure Kansas enough to get rid of Bill Self or force him into retirement, that would probably be the end game here for the NCAA. Right. Yeah, I think I think worst-case scenario, Bill Self isn't at Kansas anymore. Like I said, I, I, I felt like he was probably going to be done in the next year or so anyways. Um, he's even mentioned it into the media where he said, I want to go till my late fifties and, and I want to be done. So, um, you know, if, if worse comes to worse, maybe, yeah, maybe the university goes to Bill Self and says, listen, in order to kind of smooth this over, we're going to have to, you know, see you at the exit because, you know, this is not a good look, but, um, do I see them being banned for years and things like that? No, I, no. I don't see it. It's just. It just happens. It happens to schools, and and I think the NCAA just kind of wants to make a school like Kansas, kind of like the poster child, and and you know, kind of threaten all these other schools that are probably doing similar things. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, blah blah blah. If it can happen at Kansas, it'll definitely happen at your school because you're nobody. Um, but when it, in all reality, when it comes down to it, I just think, I just think, you know, Kansas just has too many assets, too many resources to kind of fight back. And the NCAA has shown they have a weak backbone, like you said. It just seems like the NCAA takes out their anger on other schools. Like, they know they wouldn't stand to gain anything. They'd stand to lose substantially if they were to sanction Kansas. So they'll let them go with a slap on the wrist, maybe some vacated wins at most. But then if a school like East Washington Tech or something like that has a kid that cheats on his math midterm, then that's a two-year probation, maybe the death penalty. That coach is under investigation. Then they're just going to take all their anger out on, you know, whatever small school that's not going to generate revenue for them that they can does it does the ncaa have little man syndrome is that what we're getting at they might where like super passive aggressive and they only fight the battles that they know that they can win we could be seeing that i think i think their track record has shown that you can make the case for that if you put on your persuasion hat i put on my persuaded hat then yeah you can make the case for that (laughs) yeah I tell you what, we are coming up on our final timeout. When we come back, there's a really interesting situation going on down in Houston regarding a certain football team. We're going to tell you about it and maybe go into a little conspiracy theory next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you've missed any part of our show today, you can get caught up on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play or look up ESPNUP.com. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along on this Tuesday afternoon. we got some college football to get to here before we sign off. Don't forget, coming up Thursday... 
our hockey special, Hockey Thursday from the Calumet Coliseum. I'll be there, and we'll do the sports pan live prior to the Blues-Red Wings preseason game that night. Jake will be up there, too, so you know, check out Local 3 for some coverage. Hey, check it out tomorrow night, because I'm hearing you've got a special guest coming on the show tomorrow night. Yeah, um, obviously we got the Sports Zone happening tomorrow night featuring the one and only Tanner Hoops. He's coming on for his second uh, air, I guess second show. Last week he came on, did a wonderful job. So good that we wanted him back on again. How about that? We really only want him on the show because he can talk for minutes upon end. And he's very knowledgeable at, at the sport, so high school football that is. So uh, That's kind um, of you to say. So definitely excited to have you back. And then um, I want to give a quick shout-out to the Hockeyville show that mm-hmm. we have airing tomorrow right before the Sports Zone. Sports Zone is going to air at 7.30. We have a show called Hockey Up Here. Um, and we've been in and out of Calumet for the last two weeks, gathering um, multiple stories from you know the hockey community up there in Calumet. We're going to have up-to-date st- stuff on the, the game itself. We're going to go to skates and things like that, morning skates of the teams and things like that. So um, that's airing at 7 o'clock tomorrow night on Local 3. Make sure to tune in. I'm hosting that show um, and, and, and it's it's coming along. It's coming along great. We got a lot of great stories. Obviously, the Urkla family up there is a huge story. Um, I sit down with Jim Young. We're going to sit down with him and do an interview. He's really, really good friends with Bob and um, Urkla, who is, you know, who is a main staple in the Calumet hockey community, and, and their family is just a great family. And, um, you know, we got we got a bunch of different stuff uh, on that. I'm gonna, I think we're going to have an interview with Joe Sean from the mm-hmm. Michigan Tech Hockey um, team, the head coach there. Um, they, the team doesn't really have anything going on personally, you know, involving that. But you know, he's going to come on and just kind of talk the importance of you know and how big it is for the hockey community in the Q and A area itself. Um, and and that's just a little bit of it. You know, we have a lot of stuff happening, so it's going to be great. So definitely tune into that. And then obviously you and I on the Sports Zone following that. I have a busy night tomorrow night, so it's going to be crazy. But I'm excited for it and. Um, yeah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I love Hockeyville. This week has been so much fun, and I'm so excited. But I was a little disappointed to hear Doc Emmerich isn't coming back this time. He came for Marquette a couple of years ago. This year, we're getting Brendan Burke, who does the play-by-play for the New York Islanders, and Pierre McGuire, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's not maybe maybe the guys <laughs> we wanted. Still, still pretty cool to have those guys up there. You know, those guys are. Some I like good those guys too. too. I just um, would like Doc Emmerich right. too. Jeremy Roenick is supposedly going to be up. He'll here. be here by tomorrow. He'll be here. So you know, he's always entertaining. Um, so we got a couple guys. Yeah, it's not Doc or anything like that, but. Um, it's still going to be a great time. Still not going to take away from the magical um, atmosphere that we should have up there. Well, I tell you what, a really interesting football story coming out of Houston. Not that team, the Houston Cougars, the college team. I tell you what, this is what the situation is. Houston is 1-3 and three to start the season. They've got a quarterback and a wide receiver that are both among the conference leaders in yards, both passing and per reception. They are two of the best players in that conference, the two of the best players that Dana Applewhite has coached. Uh, Dana Applewhite. How about Dana Holgerson? Not to get him confused with Major Applewhite, the guy he replaced. Dana Holgerson has coached there. But after a 1-3 and three start, both this particular quarterback and his top wide receiver have decided that they are going to take their NCAA red shirts, which they can do if they haven't played more than four games into a season. So they'll graduate this year, get their degrees, sit out the rest of the football season, and come back next year when they can focus less on school and they can focus more on football. 
it's almost like they're saying this is a one and three start to the season. I want to have a better chance at winning a conference, maybe you know get into a good bowl game, something like that. But these guys aren't just some like you know scrubs, some third stringers or something that are fighting to make the team. I mean, these are two of the best players in the conference, and it makes me wonder what the end game is here. Like, is this being put down from the top? Like, here's where I'm starting to get in conspiracy a little bit. Is Dana Holgerson acknowledging that this is a lost season, and he is telling these guys that they should come back next year, that they've got good guys coming up. It will be Holgerson's second year as head coach. They'll have the system being built a little bit more, and he has convinced them that the Cougars can do something really special next year. I almost wonder if that's what's going on here. I mean, I have to agree. I mean, obviously, I think it's a whole different thing if they're three and one and not one and three mm-hmm. through four games. But I mean, I'm just looking at it from the point of the player. Why not? You know, call it call it a, a season now. Like you said, go focus on your school and get your degree, um, or and things like that. And then, yeah, if, uh, maybe they already see the writing on the wall. Maybe this won't be such a great season as as we expected. And why not? take some time, focus on this one thing, make sure that's handled, and then come in with a clear mind, ready to go, another year under the belt with the with all the systems and things like that, um, a little a, a year wiser, come in and then try to give this a shot one more time because obviously four games in the season, you're one and three, mm-hmm. you're trash. You're not as good <laughs> as you thought you were. So, uh, yeah, let's just, let's just call this a season. They're going to do what they got to do, but I'm going to go over here and handle my business, and then next year possibly come back and, and – and, try to give it another go or transfer out and go somewhere else you know you still have that option so you're leaving your options open um instead of using up that eligibility this year having a down season and who knows they could potentially go into next season have a great year make it to the bowl game you know maybe shine a little bit more light on their name and then you know obviously try to take it to the next level after that i'm glad you brought up transferring possibly because here's the thing, this will tell us whether this is coming from the top or not, whether this is the coach's idea or not, or maybe the what a quarterback, the receiver, just decided to call an audible and they decide to transfer anyway, even though the coach may have been involved and told him to redshirt. But this quarterback, Derek King, he's pretty good. You may not know him right now, but he's one of those guys that's on the fringe of being a household name, something like that. He's a pretty good quarterback, and within the right system, the right coaching, he can do something really special. What if he went to Oklahoma? I was just about to say, (laughs) why was I just thinking that? That is so funny. I was like, Oklahoma sounds pretty good right now. Um, Baker, Kyler, Jalen Hurts, Derek King. Listen, Oklahoma's shown they they are welcoming the one-and-done quarterback. They feel like if you you can be a multifaceted quarterback and run, can throw, come into Lincoln Riley system, and you're going to flourish. And mm-hmm. I mean, their track record shows he knows how to to. I, you know, I don't know. Obviously, Baker's kind of struggling in the NFL. Kyler's still young and things. I don't know how well that's going to translate. But if you're king and that position opens up and you have a potential shot at going there, mm-hmm. you know. I'm that sounds way better than playing at Houston. That's all. That's just me. So maybe maybe. You know, we could see it. I'd, I wouldn't put that under the realm of possibility. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I don't know a lot about this King guy, though. i got to look into this guy. He's pretty good. You know, I saw them, what was it, the Houston-Tulane game? That, that was happened. ugly. I was but watching got, it. I do believe he'd be better if he was on a different team with a different school. Yeah. His numbers would be I mean, be he better. could go to a school that has a better supporting cast. and I mean, he has the, the foundational tools and everything you mm-hmm. want. But watching that game, I was just like, I didn't see anyone <laughs> pop out of the screen. Game. I was more just like in... in 
in, entranced at the the two lane mascot and the, mm-hmm. the whole symbol on the field. I was just like, wait, what? It was a, it was a crazy game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Houston should be be way better than one and three this year. I tell you what, do you think there are a few Michigan fans who would like it if Derek King came up there? I don't know. I mean, Shea Patterson was supposed to be the savior. I thought Shea Patterson would be really good. Um, could he come up there and do something? Yeah, he could. I mean, I would welcome it anytime you can get quarterback competition, um, especially when you're talking about Michigan, whose quarterback position has just been very, very disappointing. I mean, it doesn't matter who you put in there. We got McCaffrey's younger brother, Dylan, who still it seems like he's far away from being any type of, of great quarterback. Shea Patterson's just been an absolute dud this season. That whole team is just kind of, I'm, I'm still in my feels a little bit about mm-hmm. when our Saturday's game, but I mean, Harbaugh just does, seems to not have that juice that he once had, even in his interviews and his enthusiasm. It just doesn't seem to be there. He just seems, he seems tired. I don't know. It's just some, something weird about it. And then, um, you know, his team's not really answering the call very much. So you're hoping he's not losing the locker room. Harbaugh has been known to wear out his welcome at any spot, stop, stop he takes. Um, so, yeah, anytime you can add somebody like that to a, a team that's struggling like Michigan has, it could be a really bad season for Michigan. I would welcome it. Are you starting to get on the fire Harbaugh train? I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet but I'm definitely leaning towards Think it. Think about more. buying a ticket. Yeah, I'm thinking about buying a ticket. I, I've been a huge Harbaugh supporter saying, you know, let him get his guys in, let him, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, they have just looked so bad, yeah. just so bad. And um, at some point, you know, you're owing you're whatever against Ohio State. Don't even think about it. That, Thank you. Um, so you haven't beaten Ohio State. You know, your record against Michigan State subpar. You know, at least if you could have been beating these teams, it mm-hmm. would have saved something. But you just really haven't been doing anything. You've right. had solid seasons, but that's not good enough. Um, I'm one of those guys that I'm not happy with just having a solid season. Right. I want to I make the college football playoff. I want to see the team do bigger things. And it just doesn't seem like the, the momentum right now is there. It seems like we had momentum these last few years, but now it just kind of is at a halt right now. I don't know. Last couple of minutes of the show, I want to take a way too early look at the Heisman race because it's interesting what we have right now. Everyone thought this would be Trevor Lawrence's award to win. Like people weren't even thinking that this would be Tua Tagovailoa's quote-unquote bounce back year. It's not like he did a whole lot other than the final minutes of the Georgia game last year to cost himself the trophy. But right now, I wouldn't even give Trevor Lawrence a trip to New York for it. I mean, he's been fine. He's certainly not been the best player in this country, but I don't think Trevor Lawrence is one of the top three favorites for the Heisman right now. Would you say so? You know, I was one of those guys. I probably overhyped him coming into the season. Everybody I was, did. You know, I was looking at him as like an unbelievable, like never, we have never seen this. And he played like it. He played absolutely amazing when last year when Clemson went on that run mm-hmm. as a young quarterback. So, I mean, everyone had their right to kind of say he's going to take a step forward. But, um, you know, it just hasn't been like that. He played out of his mind last season. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like you said, he's having a solid season. I think the first game he threw a couple picks and everyone was like, <gasps> no, how does that happen? I didn't, I didn't know this guy could throw interceptions. This is unbelievable. So, yeah, we're not. he's not living up to, to that, that standard we set for him mentally mm-hmm. early on in the season. Still a v- very good quarterback. Um, you're playing at, on the best college team in the in the you know, in the nation, their schedule's not really that tough either. No. You know, they, they, I think they went through the toughest part of their schedule. So unless he starts throwing five, six touchdowns a game and ridiculous amount of yardage right now, I don't, you know, I, Jalen Hurts is up there for me. Yeah. You know, he's a beast. So, I mean, I would put him as a better quarterback in a better position right now. If I'm thinking of the guys I would send to New York for the finalists, 
right now my favorite is Jalen Hurts. I mean, for me, Hurts is the front runner right now, and he's followed by Joe Burrows from LSU, who's really come out of nowhere, but he's been really impressive this year. That third pick, though, that's the one that's tough because I think Tua, it's going to be impossible for Tua to miss going to New York this year. I mean, even if he holds par to what he's doing right now and doesn't continue to develop and get better, he's still the Alabama quarterback. He's got the name recognition, and he will be a part of New York unless he takes a major step backward this year. But let me ask you this right now. Strictly on being a deserving candidate, would you say that Jonathan Taylor is a top three Heisman pick right now? I would say I would say you could argue. You could definitely I think argue. there's a strong case for him. You know, um, what he did in Michigan was absolutely unheard of. Yeah. I mean, I just couldn't believe. And, and granny, you got to give props to his offensive line. Wisconsin always has. You know, you always see their running backs put up gaudy numbers because they have a really normal. It's like the Dallas Cowboys of the NCAA is the Wisconsin Badgers, just big bulky dudes mm-hmm. that are strong like farm boys yeah out of Wisconsin. you know what i mean so you got to give them some props but i mean he looked impressive breaking tackles really good vision you know he he's a he's a sturdy guy very low center of gravity he looked really good i mean you could argue that um i don't know uh, just from what i've seen out of these ohio state highlights their quarterback fields looks yeah. like he's legit too he does look good so don't count him out he's kind of right there in the running as well but um if joe burrows can beat alabama this year and have a decent game and things like that, I mean, he could possibly be a dark horse to come out of nowhere candidate to win it. And I don't know that I'm sold on him yet because I think at some point the hype is going to fall off. Like, he is going to have one bad game this year, and that's all it's going to take. Tua could have a bad game, but we all believe in Tua. I think once Burroughs has his first bad game, probably kills his Heisman chances. I don't know that it should, but I think it will because he doesn't have the recognition that Trevor to uh, Justin Fields, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor have. Right. I, I think it's only going to take one bad game for Burroughs, and that game is probably going to come against a team like Georgia or Alabama, something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, he's put himself in in, in that those categories where his name is being brought up. But like you said, you got to win those those meaningful games you know those alabama games you got to be a big reason why you got to throw for x amount of touchdowns and zero picks um and like you said like georgia or something like that but um i think it's just because we weren't talking about him in the preseason mm-hmm. he just kind of came out of nowhere you never really thought he was the truth it's like kind of like gardner gardner Minshew. let's go back to him in the NFL. <laughs> he's been playing all right but is this for real i don't think so joe burrs is the same you know yeah he's good he's on lsu he's a starting quarterback he won that job you know he's he's consistent, but is he going to continue the the rise? I don't think so. He needs to get the headband, the mustache, the job. Got to do something. You got to do something. That, you know, if you grow a mullet, grow a mustache, <laughs> that automatically puts you the, to the next level. Apparently, people love that in in the U.S. So, yeah, I mean, grow a stash, man. Get a mullet. Wear aviators. Cut off jean vests and get a couple tats, and you, I love you know, it. People would love you. I love it. I would definitely be all in on Joe Burrows if he did that. Just like anybody, if anyone did that, you'd be like, "This guy's hilarious." You know, just have a little bit of. Per- it's a popularity contest. Have it a little. Is. Have a little personality. You know, say some funny stuff in the media. You know, obviously you got to play well on the field, but you know, if you you are lovable on Twitter. You know, good chance you're going to be in that running. Think how much more popular baseball would be if Mike Trout had personality. You know. More than like roadkill, right? Exactly. If Mike Trout had personality greater than roadkill, think how popular baseball would be. It'd be crazy if they had a lot of guys like that who are just hilarious and mm-hmm. and things like that. Tom Brady's one of those boring guys. You got to respect respect his new. He's on the field, but just think if Tom Brady was, 
you know, had just a, a lot bigger of a personality. He has his own kind of humor, and, and you know, people kind of get him now, but if he came in and was just, like, off the wall and doing this, he would have been a rock star. Still kind of is, but in a different way, if you know what I mean. Dan and Hoops, Jake Durant with you with that. It is 5 o'clock, and it's time to sign off. We know you got a big week coming up, and you told us a little about it at Local 3, but do you want to reiterate, or is there anything yeah. we missed? Um, so, yeah, tomorrow night, hockey up here, half-hour uh, t- television show, everything you want to know about Hockeyville up in Calumet. We take a look at the Calumet Coliseum, all the history, past and present, um, and things like that. Obviously, we'll have a lot on the teams playing and things. Um, High School Sports Zone, Tanner and I are going to be co-hosting that tomorrow night at 7.30 right after that. Um, obviously Thursdays of the Hockeyville Day, et cetera, et cetera. And then we go jump right into high school football Sunday. Um, our game of the week is, is featuring two teams we, that we hadn't featured yet. Mm. I can't really give it away because then mm. you, you guys won't watch the show tomorrow. Tune into the Sports Zone tomorrow, see where we're going to be headed Friday night. But we're going to be all over the UP for high school football on Friday too. So um, it's already hard to believe we're at week five. Yep, crazy. halfway point. Halfway point. So, yeah, everything's fine. Bye. Everything's good, man. Nothing but nothing but good things. That's what we like to hear. I tell you what, what you would, I hope, like to hear is that we're going to be back on tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. And it's my hope that you join me. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoop signing off from ESPN, UPWZAM, and downtown Marquette, Michigan. Have a great rest of your Tuesday.